Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Hey, we're going to jump into week two of real relationships. Week two of relationships, we're going to jump straight into the word. Mark 2, 1 through 12, it reads like this. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. They couldn't get near there and move the roof. They removed the barrier. They, they broke the barrier. I think as Jesus followers, you and I were created to be barrier breakers. Yeah, there's a lot of barriers that keep them from coming to church. Working with young people, I feel like I have this conversation every week. I invited some lady last night. She's working at Walgreens. I said, hey, you should come to church tomorrow. I'm preaching. She said, I don't have church clothes. So don't worry about church clothes, just just come to church. (laughs) Maybe you're here and you feel like, man, I just don't don't know, pastor. This is like, I'm really unfamiliar with this environment. I gotta get cleaned up. No, you don't get cleaned up and then come to Jesus. You go to Jesus and Jesus cleans you up. Yeah, we gotta be barrier breakers. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, come on, say their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, that's a tongue tie, first time I said it right, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your, son, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Here it is. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. My hope today is that we become a church where people walk in for the first time and they leave saying, we never saw anything like this. Not because of a worship song or a message, but because they met a person named Jesus. This morning, I wanna ask you a question. It's my question, my prayer as I was preparing this message that this question would be an anthem for you this year. It wouldn't just be a one-off message that you hear and get encouraged, but it'd be something that stays in your spirit. Here's the question. Who is with you. Thank you. I've been reading a theologian lately. His name is A.W. Tozer. And A.W. Tozer has this study called the seven rules of self-discovery. And basically the whole heart of the study is to help you discover who you really are. Now this study has become more and more relevant because we live in a social media generation where everyone is posting a projected image of who I want you to think I am. Come on, I know you've gone on social media before and seen a friend and been like, that's not you. Why are you posting that? 
And the heart of our time today is I, I, I wanna not deal with your social media self, your projected self. I wanna deal with who you really are. I want someone to hear this this morning. God loves you for who you really are, not for who you pretend to be. Tozer would say there's seven different ways to discover who we really are. He would say things like, you are what you think, that your life is headed in the direction of your greatest thoughts. So I love Proverbs 4.23. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. I like what one author said. He said, when you fix your thoughts on God, God fixes your thoughts. That's good. That's why every morning you gotta wake up, you gotta fix your thoughts on Jesus. Every morning before you go on social media, check emails, talk to somebody, you gotta fix your heart. Here's what I know, I've learned this. If you don't fix your thoughts, the world will fix them for you. Yeah, you, Tozer would say that you, you, you are what you think. Tozer would also say that you are what you want. That your desires are in the driver's seat of your life. But out of these seven rules, there's one that I really wanna focus on this morning. I'm talking if you really wanna discover who you actually are. Number six on the list says you are the company you keep. Yeah, your circle of friends is an indication of who you actually are. Let me say it this way. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I'm not even a prophet. So I love 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Parents, let me just tell you, in the culture that we're living in now, you can never be too protective over the influences of your children. I'm just telling you. All that, all that good parenting in, in the private school and coming to church, one season with the bad company can corrupt that good character. That's what the Bible says. That bad company overrides Good character, it, it, it corrupts good character. So this means that every relationship you have in your life is influencing and impacting your life. I used to buy into the lie that there was such thing as a neutral friendship. Let me explain to you what I mean. Uh, you know, pastor, like, I'm not partying, like, they're partying, like, those are all my friends, but like, that's not me, it's not really influencing me. Pastor, listen, like, I'm the only Jesus follower in my friend group and like, I got a lot of friends, they're wild, but that's not influencing me. No, 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 no. Every single person in your life is either pushing you towards your relationship with Jesus or pulling you further away from your relationship with Jesus. Don't ever buy into the lie that you can surround yourself with people that build their life on something other than God's word, his promises and truth, and it doesn't affect the way you build your life. Don't ever buy into the lie that you can surround yourself with people that are building their marriage on something other than God's word, and it doesn't influence your marriage. Now, there's no such thing as a neutral friendship. Look at this, Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise, come on, read it with me, and become. If you're here at the 11 a.m. and you're looking for wisdom, here it is. Get around wise people. Like more is caught than taught. You just get around some wise people, and what's on them gets on you, but look at the second part of this verse. What does it say? For a companion, a fool suffers harm. Ooh, have you ever thought that maybe the reason your life is always a mess is because all of your friends are fools? Good morning. Glad you came to the 11 o'clock service. Gets better, I promise. 
I was having a conversation recently with a, a young adult and she was talking to me about her best friend and uh, about 20 minutes into the conversation, I just had to stop because she said, she said, pastor, you don't understand. My best friend is a pathological liar. I was like, first of all, pause. Um, maybe the issue is not that your friend is a liar. Maybe the real issue is that you've labeled a liar your friend. Like we gotta be better at defining our relationships. We gotta be better at defining who are our friendships. Now, let me speak to what everyone's thinking right now. Aren't you a pastor? Like, aren't we supposed to be friends with everybody? No, like not at all. I don't know who told you that. Romans 13, eight, look what the apostle Paul says. We owe no man anything but to love him. I want you to hear me. This is so important, especially with the next generation to where in order to be friends with someone, you gotta accept everything about them. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. We owe people love, but we do not owe people access. Two different things. As Jesus followers, we have a mandate to radically love people the way Jesus has loved us. But let me tell you what love looks like. Love looks like, hey, uh, the road's out if you keep living the way you're living. And if you don't submit to this and start building your life on this, it's a dead end. It gets a lot worse. Love looks like being honest, standing on God's truth. You can love someone and not give them access. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 14. This is a great one. Ooh, I love this one. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Righteousness or wickedness? Ain't like an in-between. Righteousness and wickedness. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, a yoke is a, is a farming tool. And what farmers would do is they would get a strong ox and put a shoulder to shoulder with another strong ox. They put a, a yoke on this ox and it would plow in straight lines. And basically what the text is saying is you wouldn't put a strong ox with a weak ox because it would go in zigzags or even worse, it would go in circles. Some of you are already understanding this example because you come to church Sunday after Sunday and you get fired up, but you feel like you keep going in circles. Have you ever considered the reason your life is going in circles is because you haven't stopped to check your own circle? God loves you, he has a plan for you, he has a purpose for your life, but if you are not careful with who is with you, you're just gonna keep going in circles. That's a great place to clap this morning. I wanna give you a picture of this. Can I get my helpers, my helpers up here? Uh, this, this is Gavin, Super Gavin and, and Big Court. Don't you love, these young men have been here since 7.45 this morning, teenagers coming every Sunday morning. They set up Teardown, serving the junior high. Now, Gavin, you're, you're, you're a pretty strong guy. Yeah. You work out a lot, yeah. like, like three or four times. This isn't about you, Gavin. Get on the bench. It's enough. <laughs> okay, Court, Court Michael, fisherman. Okay, I want you guys to see this. I want you to get this visual. I want this to stay with you. I want this to stick with you. Because a lot of us have this savior complex going on. And I think we get our roles mixed up sometimes. Remember, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, come follow me and I'll make you catchers of men. It's our job to fish. It's God's job to catch. And I remember getting so discouraged as a young believer because I got saved and I would go sit with my friends and have coffee and I would tell them about this person named Jesus, what he did for them. He's laid down his life for you. And I would literally feel so worthless when they just didn't want it. 
Just got up from the table. That's good. That's you, bro. That, that's your thing. But that's just not me. I beat myself up for years. And I had this revelation that maybe I can help you this morning. Our job as Jesus followers is just to sow seed. God's job is outcome. And when you go from sowing seed to trying to control outcome, you end up bearing weight that you were never created to carry. That's God-sized weight. Does this make sense to you this morning? I'm not the redeemer. I'm not the savior. That's Jesus. I'm just a mechanism that he uses. Okay. So Gavin, you're, you're swole. You work out five days a week. I get it. We understand. Here's what I want you to do, Gavin. I want you to pick court up. I want you to put him on that bench with you. Can you just, can you just, okay, one more time. Just really, okay, okay, all right, that's enough. By the way, this is how many of y'all date. Some of y'all date like this. Ooh. Yeah, just because they come to church doesn't mean they're a Christian. Just because they're a Christian, can I go a step further? Doesn't even mean they're a candidate. Like being a Christian gets you into the door. Being a Christian is like you have breath in your lungs. That was just for the 11, I'm sorry. Okay, now let me go back. It's hard, it's hard to pull somebody up. Cork, can you do me a favor? Can you, can, you, can you just try to pull Gavin down? Let me just, let me see. Okay, be careful, we don't have insurance, bro. Just. It's hard to pull someone up, but it's easy to pull somebody down. And a lot of us, we come to church, we get fired up and we leave and we find ourselves getting pulled back down to the level of everyone around us because you aren't being careful with who's with you. Thank you. This is a simple message this morning, simple. If you're here this morning, you find yourself feeling like I'm always getting pulled back down. It's not because God doesn't love you, care for you, and have a purpose and plan for you. It's because you are not being careful with who is with you. This morning, I'm gonna look at this text because I believe there's three things that we learn from the paralyzed man. Three things if you're taking notes. Three things we learn from the paralyzed man. The first thing is he didn't tolerate being treated like a victim. Who? He didn't tolerate being treated like a victim. You see, in those days, they actually believed that if you were paralyzed, if you were blind, if you were deaf, they actually believed that it was because of sin in your life. That you actually had some sin that caused you to be paralyzed, that caused you to be blind. The truth is, this man wasn't paralyzed because of sin. This man was paralyzed because of life. Like life just happens. And this morning, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that being a Jesus follower means that life doesn't happen anymore. But newsflash, life happens. I just think oftentimes we've kind of bought this false, I don't know, doctrine, theology of who Jesus is. I know for years I treated Jesus like a rescue helicopter. That when the waves of life got too much, when the storms started to rock my boat, that Jesus would fly over, pick me up, and just drop me off on dry land. This morning, I want you to know Jesus is not a rescue helicopter that saves you from the storm. Jesus is an anchor that holds you fast right in the middle of it. Yeah. Bad things are going to happen. Life's going to happen. And here's the question that you have to answer this morning, right now at this moment. How are you going to respond when bad things happen that you didn't choose. The problem for many of us is when bad things happen that we had no part in, we begin to think like a victim. And we choose friends that coddle us instead of friends that challenge us. 
A true story, my two-year-old son, John Wesley, uh, he recently, I, I've discovered he has a gift. Now, I know what all of you are thinking. All of us think our children are gifted. Mine's just more gifted than yours. I'm joking, joking. It's a father's heart. But he recently began to do something that I'm, I'm honestly, I'm impressed by. About three, four weeks ago, he began to hold his breath in the bath for three seconds. Listen, I know grown men in this church that can't do that. That is impressive. I don't care what you say. I'm telling you, I have the next Michael Phelps in my home. He's gonna support us. We're gonna be cheering him on one day. So he did the thing every night. He just, he hold his breath. It started one second, two seconds. That was at three. It's, it's amazing. Two weeks ago, I'm coming home from, coming home from church and, uh, before I, I go to my house, I live in Broussard, I pull off by a little car wash and kind of my routine and I go in the car wash and have music on and John Wesley's in, in the back. And, and as I pull in and the water begins to hit the hood of my truck, he loses it. Like scared me losing. He started yelling, scary water, scary water. I'm like, you're Aquaman Jr. Like, what are you doing? Like, I've been telling it like, what, what is happening? Scary water. <laughs> And I gotta be honest, as a parent, there was a moment where I actually put my car in reverse because I was gonna leave the car wash. Like, he's terrified. But I'm telling you, the moment I hit that thing, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go through the car wash. Because I'm not raising a victim in my house. And I don't want my son to grow up and thinking that he gets dropped off before life happens. No, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm a nice guy. Like, my energy was different with him in the truck than it is right now. You know, I'm not I'm preaching. So I coddled him. I did. But, like, just for a moment, I reached back. I grabbed his foot. Son, I love you. You're amazing. You will be the next Michael Phelps. But I looked him dead in his eyes and said, we are going through that car wash. I put that thing in drive. I went through the car wash. He went from screaming to laughing hysterically. It's like, oh, pretty colors. You want me to roll down the window and feel the water? Too much. It's too much. You may be here this morning and life has happened to you. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it was a relationship that rocked you and you still haven't quite bounced back. Maybe it's a business thing. I don't know what it is, but I'm here right now to tell you something. I need you to listen to me. Get up. Go forward. Because if you stay seated too long, I'm telling you, I've seen it happen all the time. There comes a moment to where if you stay in one place and you hold on to hurt too long, you no longer have a hold of it. It now has a hold of you. And now your identity are the things that have happened to you and not the God that died for you. This man was paralyzed. He was an outcast. Everyone's telling him this is something in your life, but something inside of this man said, no, 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 no. Like, you can say that about me, but, but that's not who I am. No, 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 I don't want friends with sympathy. I need your strength. I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. My current situation is not in charge of my future destination. Life is not happening to me, life is happening through me. This man was paralyzed, but his mind was free. The first thing that we learn from this paralyzed man he didn't tolerate getting treated like a victim. Second thing we learned from this man is he wasn't insecure around stronger people. Yeah, I, uh, on Tuesdays, every Tuesday night, I have a small group at my house. I think we have a picture right here. 
Um, by the way, put this on your newsfeed. Because culture wants to tell you that the world's going to hell in a handbasket and that the Christians have disappeared. No, there's, there's, there's men of God and fathers and business owners that are showing up every week to get in God's word, to build their life on his promises and his truth. Don't let social media tell you that there's no more Christians. They're at my house on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Sorry, that was a little righteous anger inside of me. But this is, if I can be honest, transparent, this is probably one of the more difficult moments of my week. Because it's hard being vulnerable about your marriage with other men. It's hard asking for help, parenting advice. It's hard being a grown man asking another man for help. It's uncomfortable. It, like, it goes against everything in your nature. But it's necessary. Because look at Proverbs 27, 6 says, The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Real question this morning, like real. I'm gonna ask this question, I'm gonna pause for a moment because I want you to actually think. When is the last time you had a friend check you, challenge you, say something that felt like a wound? Because you might find out that you don't have friends. You have followers. Harsh words of a friend. Ooh, the wounds of a friend. I love what Dr. Darius Daniel says about this. He says, an authentic friend would rather be willing to hurt my feelings than see me hurt my life. You need people that are going to speak truth to you. Now, I want you to see this. This is great. The word truth, the word truth, the truth points to reality. So a biblical friend brings me out to fantasy and into reality. Fantasy. Pastor, like, if you think I'm going to show up and talk about Jesus and my feelings and my marriage with six or seven other men, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. Okay. Reality. You are the company you keep. And if you are not intentional about surrounding yourself with faith-filled friends, you will end up living a faithless life. The wounds of a friend. This man was paralyzed. He could have not had a victim mentality. But all the positive thinking in the world wasn't going to get him to Jesus. He actually needed friends who had stronger legs than he did to get him somewhere he couldn't get on his own. Got to surround yourself with people that are stronger than you, smarter than you, been married longer than you. Let me say this. If you're the smartest person in your friend group, you're in the wrong group. Stop bragging about that. It doesn't look good. Second thing we learn from this paralyzed man is he wasn't insecure around stronger people. And lastly, he surrounded himself with faith. I want you to imagine this scene for a moment. If you're like me, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I had a hard time reading the Bible. I was just, I don't know. What I like to do now is I like to place myself in the middle of the story. Like when I hear a crazy story about a healing, I just like, I can't even imagine if I was there. Imagine the scene. Put yourself here with me if you can. These four men are carrying their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They're bringing him to Jesus. They get to the house where Jesus is. They open the door and there's no more room. It's, it's slammed. No more room. They physically can't get to Jesus. So they climb on the roof and they cut a hole in a roof. I think about that kind of bold faith. Like, I just know if I could just get you to Jesus. Like, if you could just get there, everything changes. It's faith. They climb up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. We know these men carrying them had faith because they didn't take no for an answer. 
Here's what I'm learning on this journey about faith. Faith that hasn't been tested isn't real faith. Your faith is being tested this morning, maybe for your children, maybe for your marriage. God's after not just strong faith, but long faith, faith that endures, faith that doesn't give up. We know these men had faith, not just because they didn't give up, but because Jesus said so. Look at Mark 2, 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, come on, say their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. This is powerful, this is a miracle, this is amazing. But as I'm reading this story, I'm thinking, Jesus, it's amazing his sins are forgiven. Great. But what about his legs? Brother's paralyzed, like the need is here. Maybe you're here this morning and you have a need and maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a lost child, whatever it is. Let me just encourage you, because this is what I'm learning. Jesus always deals with the interior before he deals with the exterior. Because what good is it to have two healthy legs and a broken soul? So he says, your sins are forgiven, your spirit is redeemed. This is the greatest miracle, but there's still this problem. Hang with me for a moment, I'm going somewhere. There's this problem. Remember, there's Pharisees in the room, religious people. And they're watching Jesus say that his sins are forgiven, but they think, wait a minute, hold on, pause. Remember, he's paralyzed because of sin. So how can you say his sin's forgiven but he's still laying on his back. This doesn't make sense. So Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, says this. Mark 2. Jesus said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Look right here. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth. But that you may know the Son of Man. Just hear me. If you're here looking for a healing... The purpose of healing is to point to the healer. He's telling these guys, so that you may know the source of all this is me, I'm gonna do it. Don't go so desperate for a miracle that you miss the miracle maker. Don't be so desperate for a healing that you miss the healer. You go to Jesus and healing is in his hands. That you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive him. He said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Rise, pick up your bed and go home. You have a testimony. Do you know that? Before you got saved, before you gave your life to Jesus, that represents this bed. Jesus tells this man, pick up the thing that has been carrying you, carry that. Because when people see that, I want them to know about me. Oftentimes we get saved and we throw away our testimony. No, don't ever be afraid to tell your story. God wrote it. It's your testimony. It's a tangible representation of who God is in your life. I love telling people I used to be lost. I love telling people I used to be broken. Why? Because look at me now. Yeah. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only explanation. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, carrying the thing that carried him for years and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this. Hear me. This whole story is about one person, Jesus. He gets all the glory, all the honor, all the credit, but it'd be foolish for us not to look at the faith of these four friends, see the significance that played in his story. We don't know a lot about this paralyzed man, but we know three things. We know the first thing, he didn't tolerate getting treated like a victim. We know he wasn't insecure around stronger people. We know that he surrounded himself with faith. Many of you know my story. 
2016, I gave my life to Jesus. I was living a wild life before and just radical transformation. And when I gave my life to Jesus, my wife and I, well, then fiance, moved to Southern California. But you know, there was this gap for about four to six weeks where I was still here in the city that I grew up in. And, and it was difficult. Now I'm realizing that there comes a season as a Jesus, I wanna just be very honest with you this morning. There comes a season when you're a real Jesus follower where you gotta live the life, these two words, set apart. You gotta walk through some lonely seasons for a little bit, it's okay. I'd rather have Jesus than be lost. And I was lonely, I'll be honest. It was only about six weeks, but it was tough. I'm a friendly person. I remember probably three weeks in, I, I had just gotten a text to go out. That was my routine. I was downtown Friday and Saturday night. You know, just that was, that was this was my this life I lived for years. And I got a text, and it was really like a divine line in the sand moment. The Bible says that if you're lukewarm, he'll spit you out, be hot or cold. Got to draw a line this morning. It was my drawing the line moment. I'll never forget it. It's my best friends I grew up with my entire life, my boys, my partners. They're going out, and I just, I can't do it. I left the group chat. I just can't do it. I can't. I'm sorry. It's not me anymore. I just, if this is real, I really want this. If it's really not, I don't want to play games. I remember God spoke to me. It was crazy. It was like, I, I, it's like that text was on Friday night. I said, no, Saturday morning, God spoke something to me. And I want to pray over you. He said, Joseph, if you will make me your friend, I'll introduce you to my friends. I moved to California and about two days into living there, six weeks into this season of just me and Jesus, I walked into the church I was serving at and I met somebody. Little did I know that this person would become a brother in my life. Uh, it was the first time I was 25 years old. It's the first time I ever saw someone get on a platform like this in their 20s and just preach fire and then get off and actually pray for homeless people like a real authentic Jesus follower. And his wife and his wife and him became so pivotal in our story. I'll never forget this. This is hilarious. I remember one time we were at this church conference. It was the first year of marriage, which is rough. Don't make me feel left out. Come on, first year of marriage is tough. We're three months into this thing, and we're at this church conference, and, and we start getting into an argument at the church conference. My wife and I arguing during the message. I keep saying, no, just stop. You're stop. You're just Hey, cut it out. No. We have a church going. Okay, so. For the rest of the service, I was just worshiping like this. She's worshiping like this. It's just like, you do you, I'm going to do me. Okay, cool. See you after church. And man, I remember, I remember going to the hotel after. And him and his wife said, okay, sit on the bed, let's talk. So what do you mean? He said, well, talk about it. Go. Y'all fight. Y'all got all that energy at the conference. Let's hear it. Go. Okay, right? Real godly friends aren't afraid of your brokenness. They'll sit there with you in it. I remember we fought like cats and dogs that night. Like 30 minutes just went. Just and they just sat there. When we were done, finally ran out of energy. You're just tired. I said, you done? I said, yeah. I said, you done? She said, yeah. And then he began to just speak God's word over us. Him and his wife just pray for us. It was a marking moment. And I remember for the first time feeling like, wow, this is what it feels like 
to have like a real kingdom friendship. I had settled for fake friends for so long, it was like I didn't know it existed. Today, eight years later, this is wild. 31, standing here preaching to you. Today, he's 32. Him and his wife have a church in New York, pastors. He got me to my destination. He's here in the front row. His name is Billy. Billy, can you stand up? Can we honor Billy? I love you, grateful for you, so thankful for you. I would not be here if it was not for your investment. Thank you for seeing more in me than I did in myself. Thank you for seeing a kid that was getting high all the time and looking past it, speaking to my heart. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Thank you. I love you. I'm grateful for you and Randy. Kingdom friendship. I'm here for three reasons. Number one, God's call on my life. Number two, Parents that didn't stop praying. Parents don't stop praying. I was 25 years old when I gave my life to Jesus. And number three, a kingdom brother that saw more in me than I did in myself and had to fight me for me sometimes. So this morning, I want to end how I started. I have a question for you this morning. Who's with you? Who's with you? With every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you're here in this place and you're saying, Pastor, uh, if I could be honest, I've I've, I've had the wrong friends, the wrong people. Yeah, what you were talking about, kingdom friendships, I I need that badly. I feel like I'm on this journey by myself. Like that bench, I feel like I keep getting pulled down off of it. I feel like I just keep getting pulled back down. I want to draw a line in the sand. I want to have what you're talking about. If that's you, and you want some real kingdom relationships. You feel like you've been lonely in this season. I believe God wants to give you something. Count of three, every head bowed, every eyes closed, just you and me looking. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. That's you. Raise your hand all over this place. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Hands up all over. Hands up all over. Hands up all over. I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you in the back. You can put your hands down. Father, I pray the same blessing you gave me, I give to them. That as you become their friend, you would introduce them to yours. Father, your word says that you put the lonely in family. Father, I pray for kingdom friendships, kingdom relationships. I thank you for men and women of God, young college-age kids that are ready to live a radical life for you and it's been so difficult in this dark generation. I thank you for fresh boldness to be a Jesus follower on that campus. I thank you for fresh boldness to walk in their God-given identity that no longer are they gonna fall down to the level of their peers, but they're gonna go against the grain. They're gonna swim upstream. They're gonna be different. They're gonna be unique. People are gonna start coming up to them and saying, what's on your life I want on mine whatever's on you I need it yeah fresh relationships God relationships divine relationships and the second group here you're saying pastor I hear you talking about Jesus but I don't have a relationship with him I've been coming to church for a while but like I need this (laughs) what you're talking about I can't leave without it that's you and you want a personal, passionate relationship with Jesus, the person that gave it all for you. I want to give you an opportunity to make the most important decision you will ever make. Today, you have an opportunity to choose someone who's already chosen you. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed, our heart is never to embarrass you here. It's just me looking. On the count of three, if you want a relationship with Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. That's you. I see you. Hands up all over. Hands up all over. I see you. 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 Yeah. I see you. I see you. That you can put your hands down. I'm going to ask one more time. If you raise it the first time, don't raise it again. If that's you and you're saying, Pastor, I, I needed to make that decision, just ask one more time. Please, one more moment. Come on, if that's you, lift your hand right now. If you raise it the first time, keep it down. I see you in the back. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you back there, bro. I see you, sir. God's so good. Church family, can you pray this prayer together with those that just made that decision? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. I believe that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.